0: Hey friends, Chris Renfro here. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Hope Church. We exist to make and send disciples of Jesus Christ and our prayer is that this teaching from God's word encourages and challenges you in your walk with Jesus. If you'd like to find out more or check out Hope Church, we invite you to join us at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. You can find details at hopechurchjc.com. Enjoy the sermon. You ever experience a long day? Maybe this week is spring break for many of you parents with kiddos, and you're like, these are long, long, long days. <laughs> uh, felt a little bit of that this week. And I know when you're a kid, you're like, why does spring break go by so fast? And why does the summer just flies by? But as a parent, you're like, man, we're counting the minutes. Maybe you're here and you're a parent, and you've got kids in the room, you're like, this is the longest hour of my life. And uh, when is it going to end? So I, I get that. We look at the life of Jesus, and I imagine 2,000 years ago, Good Friday, it was a long day. I mean, it was just a long day. If you look at that 24-hour period, you see in John's Gospel, he had just come off raising his friend Lazarus from the dead, which is a big event in itself. But that event led, led to the Pharisees even more so trying to kill him, which they had been doing uh, for a while up until that point. And you get to Luke 22, and you see just what happens in this one day in the life of Jesus. He gathers his disciples together. Crazy story of kind of how they find a place to meet and gather to do this Passover and have the Lord's Supper together there. But then right after that, his disciples get into an argument over who's the greatest, uh, which is kind of a weird thing to happen on like the last day of your life. Um, So they're arguing about who's the best. And then he goes to pray, and his disciples totally fall asleep on him uh, and, and can't even stay awake with him for just a little bit. Right coming off the heels of that, he's arrested, uh, unfairly arrested, and then put on trial, and then beaten and mocked and scorned, forced to carry a cross, and then he's crucified. All in a day in the life of Jesus in the midst of that, this long day, he stops and he takes time for anything else to gather his disciples for one last meal. Uh, the Last Supper, it, it takes place in all four of the Gospels. And we see some different accounts of kind of what happens there. In John's account, he washes his disciples' feet and we see that they sing hymns together. But in all accounts, They gather and they break bread for a meal together. We're going to study. We're going to look at Matthew 26, verses 26 to 29 tonight. This is what God's Word says. Now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to His disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body. And He took a cup. And when He had given thanks, He gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not eat again of the fruit of this vine until the day that I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. The Lord's Supper and this Passover meal that all Jews would have shared together This very important time together, I think it provides us with three opportunities 2,000 years later, as those who are looking back on the life of Jesus. First, it provides us an opportunity to look back. This verse starts, it says, now as they were eating. This was not just any meal, though. This was Passover. Passover. What is Passover? Passover is the primary major Jewish holiday that commemorates the delivery of the nation of Israel from Egypt while pointing to the Lamb of God who would serve as the one-time sacrifice for all sins. If you are Jewish in heritage, you know that Passover is happening right now. It started on Wednesday and it will go through next Thursday. It's a very important time. It's a very important feast. It's a meal together. The end of this is culmination of this meal together. But it's not just any meal. It's a meal with very specific people and with a very specific purpose. We all like a good meal, right? Take a moment, especially kiddos. Take a moment. Tell your parents or tell somebody next to you, what's your favorite meal? If you could have anything to eat, what would you eat, kiddos or dads or parents? You're like, oh, absolutely. I got this one. Like, I can participate in this you got 10 seconds. Think about What's your favorite meal? What's a meal that you love? Your dream meal. All right, you got it, right? We love a good meal. We love a good meal with people that we love. And we love a good meal with a purpose. Maybe you can think back on a time when you had like a rehearsal dinner. It was a meal with purpose and it was a meal with people, hopefully, that you loved, right? Or you think about a time where you celebrated a 16th birthday or you had a special event in your life well that was a yearly meal that happened for the nation of Israel that they would gather together with people they loved and they would gather to remember to look back on God's faithfulness of what he had done for them so we're going to do a quick history lesson we were just in exodus 13 last week we studied the the book of genesis as a church all last year but this is what happens in exodus chapter 12 it's the passover I'm going to read really quickly verses 3 through 12. It's on the screens if you want to follow along. This is what God said to the people. He said, tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house as a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, and you shall make your count for the lamb. And put it on two of the doorposts and a lintel of the houses, and they shall eat it. They shall eat the flesh at night. They're roasted on the fire. With unleavened bread and bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs, its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until morning. Anything that remains until the morning, you shall burn in this manner. You shall eat it with your belt fastened, with your sandals on your feet, and your staff in hand. You shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you, and on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall or destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt." This was a meal with a specific purpose. It was a meal with a specific purpose. What was it that they would remember? That they would take the blood and they would put it over their doorposts. But more than that, they would take this lamb. What did God tell the people to do? Take a perfect lamb. The best one you can find. And I want you to bring it into your house. And it would live with them for four days. Hey, when you're picking a lamb to save your family, you pick the best lamb you can find. You pick the perfect lamb, right? And then it comes in, and this is not a culture where you have pets. You're talking about an enslaved nation where they bring in these lambs, and now they're staying in their house, and their kids. What are they doing? They're loving that lamb. They're playing with him. They're feeding him. What do you do when you have an animal in your house for four days and you have kids? You name it. What would you name your lamb? Mr. Fluffy. Snowball. Right? You name it. And then the father He's got to look at that little lamb. The lamb that his kids love, that stayed in their room, that slept by their bed, that kept them warm at night. And he knows he's going to have to sacrifice it. Why? Because God wanted them to feel it. He wanted them to feel the pain of the sacrifice for his kids to feel it, for the family to feel it, to take this meal in haste. God would later say through the Apostle Paul in Romans 8, what then shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? That God, having the perfect Lamb, the one without spot or blemish, the one-time payment for all sins and all sacrifices, did not spare Him. He gave Him up for us. And He would feel it so that we could be made right with Him. And we get the opportunity in the Lord's Supper to look back. To look back and remember what He's done for us. We get not only the opportunity to look back, but we get the opportunity to look up. To look up at the cross. To look up towards Jesus says that Jesus took the bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So what did Christ do on the cross everything. He did everything. Uh, At the cross, Jesus willingly paid the price for us. Throughout his life, Jesus was always on a heavenly timetable. And he was always willing to do exactly as the Father desired. You see in Luke's account of this story in Luke twenty two twenty two, Jesus told his disciples, "'The Son of Man goes as it has been determined, "'that his entire life, that everything he did, "'he was doing it as the Lord had told him to do.'" He followed God's timetable. Look at John 2. As we've been studying John, we've seen this time and time again. In the Gospel of John, Jesus tells his disciples, "'My hour has not come,' John 2, 4. "'John 7, 30. my hour has not yet come,' John 8 20, my hour has not yet come. And then we get to the Passover. We get to this story where he's sitting with his disciples. And he says, my hour has come. Did he skip it? Did he run? Did he hide? Did he call the armies? Did he call the angels? Did he call help in? No, not at all. Look at the hoops that he jumped through just to make this meal happen. He goes and gets a a, a, a place to eat at a secret house. He has to go in the story. They go and they find a guy with a donkey and they go and they get his house and they go and they have the meal there and they eat there. Why? So that Judas wouldn't have the opportunity to tip off the Pharisees to where he would be because his hour had not come to that point. Jesus willingly went and did what God had commanded him to do for you and for me Uh, Jesus fully paid the price for each and every one of us he didn't just willingly do it he fully did it in 1865 there was a long winded sermon I hope this one isn't as long winded there was a 47 year old widow named Elvina Hall, as the preacher was preaching, her mind drifted, and in her hymnal, she wrote these words, I hear the Savior say, thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray, find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Jesus willingly paid the price for us. He fully paid the price for us on the cross. And then He alone paid the price for us on the cross. No one else could do what he could do. There was no one else who had lived the perfect life. There was no other lamb that was spotless without blemish. He alone did it. It's what 1 Peter 2 24 says that he himself, he alone, bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. What's the end of verse 24 say in 1 Peter? By his. Wounds, you are healed. This is the new covenant that he's established. It's a covenant of love. It's a covenant of grace. That God did not spare his own son, but in this moment, he poured on him his wrath. He placed on him all of our sins, past, present, and future. So when Jesus tells his disciples to do this in remembrance of me, what is he telling them to remember? What he's done for us. What specifically, can you think of right now, what specifically has Jesus saved You from? Where would you be? What would your life look like had He not taken this this moment on Himself on the cross? We would be without hope, we'd be still dead in our trespasses and sins. Thank God he loved us so much. that he took God's wrath on the cross on this Good Friday. Why? Finally, so that we could look ahead. He tells his disciples, I, will, I, I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. In the early pages of Genesis, we're invited to a meal that gives life. Adam and Eve were invited to eat of the tree of life. And then throughout the Bible, we see that God invites his people to meals. Why? To remind them that he provides. To remind them that he has not forgotten them to remind them that He loves and cares for them and that He is faithful to them. They and we are to remember alone what He has done for us, that He is the true source of life. That's why Jesus would say, after feeding the 5,000, I am the bread of life. But then it all ends with one final meal that we get to look forward to a final meal, a meal that Jesus points toward in the new kingdom. This ongoing and repeated time together that we have as we take the Lord's Supper, it reminds us that this is not the final meal that Jesus has prepared for us, but that when he returns, he's going to gather people from every nation and every tribe, and every tongue. And that once again, we'll have access to the tree of life. That's what Revelation 2 says, 22 says. That's the end of the book. That once again, he's going to bring us all together for a meal. Look at Revelation 16, 6 through 9. It's the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is what John says. He said, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give Him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. The Lord's Supper reminds us of the life and the work of Jesus. And it marks us as people of his covenant, his new covenant, all the while anticipating as we look ahead to that final feast where there is no more sorrow and there's no more pain and there's no more death and there's no more sin and there's nothing that we've walked through that hurts us or hurts God. It's a taste of true life. And this, this is where our hope is. It's this anticipation that we look forward to ahead and the reminder of what we look back to in the past. That's what makes Good Friday good. So I'll close with this. What do we do as we look back on Good Friday and we remember? I think we can look back on God's grace That you can look back in your life and you can see this thread of faithfulness and grace for Him to bring you to where you are. As Acts 17, Paul would say that He's placed us in our allotted times and boundaries. That we should should seek Him and perhaps feel our way toward Him and find Him even though He is not far from each one of us. That He's placed us where we are in the time we live with the people we're around and Alpharetta or Johns Creek, Georgia or North Atlanta so that we should seek him and walk with him and find him and feel our way toward him even though he's not far from any one of us because God loves us and wants a relationship with us and so we can look back on his faithfulness and his grace in our lives to bring us to where we are now Uh, we can look up to Christ for life and can I encourage you if you're here today you may have been a to a hundred Good Friday services or may be your very first one or you may have be been to church every day of your life or this may be the first time. Can I tell you there is no hope in life apart from Christ. And this Good Friday, this time that we remember his death and burial and his resurrection, he did it for you. No matter what you've done, No matter what you will do, he did it for you because he wants a relationship with you. So how do I have a relationship with him? What do I do? You place your faith in him. You trust him as your savior. It's not based on works. It's not based on effort. It's not based on how good we are or how many times we go to church or how much we give or how much we serve. We trust Him as our Savior. You say, how do I do that? Tell Him in your own words, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've walked so far from You. I know I have no hope. I need You to save me. I trust in You that You died on the cross for my sins and that You rose from the grave. Would You save me? You pray a prayer like that and God will save you. You can trust that you have eternal life in Him. When followers of Christ, what do we do? We look ahead to the eternal hope that we have in Jesus. We do not live for this life only. We live for eternity. So no matter how, how bad your day is or how bad your week is or what last month looked like or what last year looked like. Our hope is not in this life only. It's in eternity. And we can look ahead to that hope as we live for Him. Suffering, the pain that we feel right now is only temporary. We look forward to the glorious day where we get to spend eternity at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I'm going to close with this Tonight, this Good Friday, we're going to have an opportunity to take the Lord's Supper together. The Scripture is pretty clear. It's for those who have placed their faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins. So this may be an opportunity for you. If you'd like to just sit and reflect, that's totally fine. For those who have placed their faith in Jesus, I want to invite you here in a moment. I'm going to pray, and then we've got around the room tables where you can go and you can take the cup and you can take the bread and you can bring it back to your seat. And I want to give you a moment just to pause and to reflect on what Jesus has done specifically for you to remember on this Good Friday, to remember the price that he paid for you on the cross. And you can take that as a family together as you want to pray, or you can take it on your own if you'd like. And then we'll stand and we'll sing one more song of worship together. I'm going to pray for us, and I want, you to, I want to invite you. Take a moment to reflect. What is the Lord telling you you need to do tonight as you remember what He's done for you? Then you can go to any of these tables around the room. You can get the bread and the juice, bring it back to your seat, and you can take that on your own time and then sing with us. God, we remember. We remember what you've done for us, and we thank you. you've been so faithful and you've been so good. So on this Good Friday, would we take a moment to pause and to reflect on the cross, but not just to sit on the cross, but to remember that it doesn't end there, that you rose from the dead, you conquered and defeated death so that we could have hope and eternal life in you alone. Lord, if there's anyone here who's never surrender their life to you, never place their faith in you for the forgiveness of their sins. I pray that tonight would be the night where they surrender all. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we're so grateful for you. In Jesus' name, amen. The band's gonna play here for a moment and you can take a moment to pause, reflect, to pray, and when you're ready, you can go to any of these tables around the room. You can get a cup you can bring it back. And then in your own time, take the Lord's Supper and then stand and worship with us as we close out our service.